Hello friends, it's Jim Nance and it's my great pleasure to welcome you to Beyond the Clubhouse, a podcast hosted by my friend Garrett Johnston. He is a testament to one of the great things about this sport, the friendships that come from playing or even just talking about the game. And you're going to meet some of the characters that Garrett has gotten to know from this past decade plus that he's been covering the sport. You're going to hear from players, caddies, members of the media. You're going to get the storytelling, the golf news, the players' swing tips, and a whole lot of laughs. It's coming your way with this edition of Beyond the Clubhouse. Here's Garrett. All right, with the Ryder Cup around the corner, everybody, I, I was looking at the list of players. I mean, there are some first-time players going to make their rookie appearance for both teams, Europe and the U.S., but I'm also looking at the caddies, and I'm thinking of players like, well, excuse me, caddies like Brian Ziegler. He caddies for Bryson DeChambeau, and he's this is going to be a sixth event, and it's going to be the Ryder Cup. So he was out there uh, for practice that weekend, getting ready just a couple weeks before the Ryder Cup, and so he talks a little bit about that. And he, this guy has barely been on tour. you got to understand that. He's in his early 30s, and he's been, had a lot of pinch-you moments. You know what I mean? Like, what's going on? Like, I just... Got lost at the American Inn over by Whistling Straits with Jim Furyk and, and Davis Love the Third, and I couldn't believe who I was with. You know those kinds of things, and it's only natural, right? So there are a lot of cool stories you're going to hear from Brian. Um, of course, he's a teacher, had done many years at Dallas National, and he's still teaching uh, Jarena Pillar uh, of the LPGA. He does some work with her as well, but he has so much insight into what it's like conversations with Bryson as they get to a ball as they prepare for a second shot what is that conversation like how do they how does Bryson and his mind work as he gets up to to his shot so it's really cool how they how he kind of picks through everything and kind of paints a picture for us so we will get to Brian Ziegler here in just a minute before that I want to talk to you about Encore Golf the Avant 55 golf ball it's their award-winning super soft low compression distance golf ball it's gotten the Golf Digest Hot List Gold winner in recent years. It's featuring low spin rates off the driver for long and accurate tee shots and a super Serlin cover. It's two-piece construction allows for high launching wedge shots, and who doesn't want that, right? It's great approaching into the greens with a very soft feel around the greens and off the putter face. I've been using it, and I love the feel in and around the greens with the putter, with the wedges. So it's huge. It's a, it's a very helpful thing for your game. Check it out on EncoreGolf.com. You can use my promo code B, the letter B, Clubhouse, to get 10% off online when you order. All right, let's get to it. Brian Ziegler, Bryson DeChambeau's caddy here on Beyond the Clubhouse. I always love like that week before the Ryder Cup because you know all, all of us golf fans, we just can't get enough content during Ryder Cup week. We love everything that happens there. And and for you, I, I'm just thinking this is your, your first time as a Ryder Cup caddy. What are you expecting as you get ready for that time at Whistling Straits? Expecting? I don't know. I think it's going to be a long week in, in a good way. Uh, you know, five matches is, is a lot of golf. Um, I'm pretty sure I'm going to know the golf course by the time we get to Sunday singles. Um you know, we'll do some practice rounds with a bunch of the guys Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and I'm sure at some point in time, me and a bunch of the other caddies will just walk the golf course, so um, it, it looks like a regular work week, but it doesn't feel like one. It's just, like, very cool to be doing something for country, so that's that's the excitement level of it. Yeah, the patriotism. It's got to be unique. I mean, because you you rarely play this kind of golf, right? I mean, this is a whole new ball game being on a team. 
hundred percent. Yeah, uh, the team stuff is cool. In my professional career, I've done some team events like this, Riders Cup style events, and they're just they're just a blast, and I love them, and I look forward to them more than the individual stuff that I've played in over the years. Uh, playing for a team is great, and then let alone you're playing for the United States, which is just magnifies it that much more. It's it's really it's it's awesome. I'm pumped. Oh man! Well, you did mention getting ready. Um, five matches, looking ahead to the Ryder Cup. Is it kind of? Um, did you hear from captains kind of telling you, "Hey, be ready for five matches"? Or what was kind of the thought process as, as you get ready with that? Um, I think every caddy is going to be ready to go all five matches. I think every caddy, every player, everybody's just prepared to do whatever it takes to win. I mean, there's going to be guys that get off to good starts. There's going to be guys that potentially don't get off to great starts, and then they end up sitting an extra match. So. Um, you know, been in and around some of the pod conversations and stuff like that, and there hasn't been one mention of like you're going to go five matches, you're going to go three. It's it's been very much we're just gonna we're gonna do what we need to do to to win the cup. For sure. Um, and when you say pod conversations, is it like um, you know groups of four typically with with the way the team breaks down or? Yeah, yeah, that's what it's looking like, and. and even when we were at the Ryder Cup practice, they weren't for sure what the pods were going to end up looking like, um, but they just had like a general layout of it. So we'll see um, how it ends up shaking out. And, you know, you might, I, I don't know how all that works. So I, um, I'm i just I'm there to, to lug a bag around and help my man get some good numbers. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, it, it's such a fun event, too. I know it's, it's a big deal for him, too. You mentioned that practice day. How, how, how was that, like getting used to that course? Had you been to Whistling Straits before? I had not. Um, it's a peak die design, and that is very evident. It it is a difficult, <laughs> difficult golf course. Um, I used to work in Northern Michigan, so I got a, a really good feel for the greens and the sand, and kind of how the course is going to play uh, with it being all sand based, right on Lake Michigan. Um, I was pretty quick on the greens to just get really comfortable with the reeds out there and the speed and stuff like that so that was great um the sight lines off the tee are really tough there's a lot of blind fairways and you're hitting over bushes or you're hitting at bunkers um thankfully we have great yardage books and google maps and google earth and you know that that was a lot of what our first two rounds were is just looking okay where where are we going to go off the tee what's our strategy that we're going to have in certain spots what are we going to do if the wind comes this direction if it comes this direction so um yeah it's um it was a it was a very quick two days we got in in the morning and, and had a quick lunch and then we were right on the golf course in the afternoon and then woke up early and, and we're out at the golf course early and back in the afternoon the next day so um yeah, just took a lot in in the 24-hour period that we were at the golf course, and um, excited to get back out there Monday. And I don't know what um, Bryce's schedule is going to end up being. I'm sure he'll practice a little bit, but um, I'm for sure going to at least walk the course one time Monday, and then probably early Tuesday and Wednesday morning. So it's just such an unreal experience. I go from studying golf swings and teaching golf to now I'm sitting in a room listening to Steve Stricker talk to all these guys and Freddie Couples and Phil Mickelson you know just got lost in the at the American Inn with Jim Furyk and Davis Love trying to find a restaurant it's like I'm like fanboying it like trying to hold it all together but like it's 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 awesome it's uh it's it's really cool and like I've been humbled in so many spots in the last you know a couple months with with that kind of stuff and um 
it, it's it's been great. And the guys are so nice, and it's it's really cool when everybody appreciates what the Ryder Cup is and what we do it for and why we're doing it and how much energy that brings to the room is awesome. And the team practice with the team dinner was great. Mm. Um, and that was cool because they said that in years past they hadn't got that much participation. I think everybody was there except for uh, for Brooks. I think he was nursing his injury or, or whatever um, was going on with his wrist. So, um, But the other 11 guys, we were all there with all the caddies and some extra people. So it was... Um, it was awesome, and I think all the assistant captains made it to the dinner as well. So there's just it was just like really, really good vibes, and it's just it's cool that we have all these people that are at the top one point 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 zero one percent of the game of golf all in the room talking about golf. It's like yeah, this is nerding out on golf, and I absolutely love every second of it. <laughs> so yeah. That, that's such a cool uh, a picture that you're painting about dinner with everybody. Was there any guests that maybe Captain Stricker brought in uh, to talk about things, or was it all kind of just uh, the team and the captains? Uh, it was just all the team and the assistant captains. No, there was no big speeches or pump-up things. That, you know, I've heard they've done stuff like that in the past, but I'm sure that would, that's more Ryder Cup week type stuff. Right. So, you know, there's rumors of some of the people that might show up. Um, and if any of them are true, they're it's awesome. <laughs> so yeah, I try. I'll try not to fanboy too much. No, I, so. I I got you. Well, you did mention fanboy earlier in the whole experience. So you got lost at the American Club. For our listeners that aren't familiar, that's a resort close to to Whistling Straits, like a hotel. So you got lost with Davis Love, and you said Jim Furyk, right? Yeah. So I'm. I mean, I just walked down to the lobby looking for this restaurant, and I couldn't find it, and the person at the front desk didn't know where it was so I saw those two walk in the front door and just make a quick right I'm like it's okay I'm just gonna follow them so I'm following them and then they walk around the corner and they look back at me they're like do you know where you're going I was like no do you know where you're going they're like no and I'm like okay great <laughs> so we ended up finding it but uh yeah it was uh you know just about four minutes of walking around if, you, if you've ever been up there the it's an old old building old hotel it's beautiful uh Kohler redid the whole thing but um it's like a maze so mm. you don't at times even know what floor you're on um so but yeah no it was uh it was really cool 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 dinner and, and a cool time well for sure man no it sounds like a, a blast for you guys um so when we think about the Ryder cup for bryson uh, i know he played his first one 2018 how much does he talk about the Ryder cup what do you feel like it means to him from what you've observed in, in working with him yeah i mean he's He's a very patriotic individual just across the board in life. Um, so having an opportunity to play for country is like is really strong for him. I mean, it's something um, that I know is really important to him. You know, his luggage that he traveled with is the 2018 Ryder Cup stuff. So it's like it definitely has a different level of importance maybe from just like a week-to-week event. Um, I don't know in his mind where it ranks amongst the majors, um, but I know it's definitely more um, important than just one of the normal stops on tour, as, as I feel like it is for everybody. Because like you look at him, right? He's I think sixth or seventh in the world right now, and where is he going to be in two years? Like obviously, I think he's still going to. You know, I think he's going to be number one in the world in two years, but. 
there's the potential that he's not hmm. and that he falls out of the top 12 in the, the Ryder Cup standings. And, like, you, you don't know. Like, this could be his last Ryder Cup, um, which is weird to think about. But, like, how many people in their career have played on one Ryder Cup team or two Ryder Cup teams? So it's um, it's it's really interesting. Um, I definitely know that he really appreciates being on the team and being an auto qualifier and, and everything that goes along with that. For sure, yeah. No, I mean, you can never take anything for granted, as, as you were mentioning there. Um, what, what do you feel with his long drive prep? Like, how do you feel that affects his normal game? Like, how, how do you feel you guys are balancing all that? Um, it makes him hit the ball further. <laughs> and the further he hits it, the better it is for me. So, um, yeah, especially at a place like Whistling Straits. Um, you know, long drive prep, it's a little bit probably a little bit more intense right now than it has been in the past but he's been doing long drive training for the last two years so it's nothing new to the inner circle that he's speed training the week of a tournament or the week before a tournament so we're we we know some of the adjustments that need to be made because of that and we go from there yeah how how many driver swings would you guess he's uh he's taken per day at the moment if you if you had to guess (laughs) Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, I really don't. I um, I was tied up for his last session, but, you know, I've seen those sessions go at 60 or 70 drives. I've seen him go up to 250 drives. So depending on how he's feeling, um, you know, that could, that could be anything. But he's taking, he's taking a good number of driver swings and iron swings. It's not just driver. He's, he's swinging. So just swinging a lot and trying to swing hard, mm. which I love it. <laughs> I love being a part of those speed training sessions and I love that he is willing to do that and it's just you know it's it's why he is where he is and where he's gone to where he's gone to in the last three years two and a half years and um, it's really cool to have just been able to to witness it and you know be somewhat of a very very tiny tiny role in the whole thing but yeah more as an inspirational role oh for sure <laughs> For sure. Yeah. What, and he'd even like said uh, to golf.com the other day. He said his hands are wrecked from from training for both that and also for the Ryder Cup. Like, how how do you feel like he's balancing everything? Uh, he just does what he does. puts his head down and goes forward. <laughs> I don't yeah. know if there's an effort to balance things in his life. So I don't think you know a lot of really highly successful people. I don't know how well they balance a lot of things. They just they just do what they need to do and they go. Uh, they go forward and he's, he's great at just doing all the hard work that needs to get done. Bryson does so much training. So as you're talking about Bryson doing so much training, um, you had mentioned that there are some days where he does 250 swings with a driver. Like what, how, how tired out is he after that? What, what is that like seeing that? Tired. <laughs> tired. I'm tired after watching him do it. Um, yeah, it's, it's cool. He has an he has an engine and he works harder than anybody I've ever seen in my entire life and that's not just with golf I just watch him just motor through life just plugging away just doing all the stuff and it's like he, he's been so successful in his career not because he's the most talented person out there but because he's he's one of the hardest workers and he's a guy who just is so willing and enjoys doing all the grunt work and doing all the nitty gritty stuff that you know, a lot of people don't like to do or did early in their career, and then they phase out on doing it. He just uses his head down, move, do this, do this, do this. So, yeah, it's, it's cool to watch. It's inspirational. Oh, man. Well, you talked about him having a big engine and, and having a hard, a big, 
work ethic going at things like what would be something like paint a picture picture for listeners like what would be something that might surprise us about how he how he puts that uh, work work ethic to good use yeah just like watching him um, learn instruments oh, wow. <laughs> like he's a pretty good piano player and he started playing the guitar and it's just like watching him just go through it is like is, is cool it's interesting just like recently he's been picking up those uh, the uh, guitar yeah. or Yeah, no, he's... She has to be a very specific listener, though. She has to, to listen to your stuff and be a golf fan. So. <laughs> well, I mean, but she's got to be somewhat of a golf fan, though. I mean, if if she's with Bryson, right? Oh, yeah, I, yeah. and I'm just making up a girl. There isn't a, there isn't a girl, so... Okay. It would just be... I would think that somebody that he or... Yeah, I mean, just like myself or anybody who's in this business... You either want somebody who understands and gets it or somebody who doesn't listen to it at all. Mm. <laughs> like, oh, you hit a white ball around. Great job. High five. So, yeah, one of the two. You don't want the middle-of-the-road person. Yeah, it's got to be all, all or nothing. Uh, well, for, for, all or nothing. <laughs> and for you, Brian, um, with your balance, I mean, I know you're still teaching uh, Jarena Pillar and you're out there at Dallas National and you're on the road with Bryson. How do you balance everything? <laughs> uh, yeah, so I don't, I'm not teaching at Dallas National currently. Um, they brought in two new teachers, so I, I, I worked under Chris Como um, for three years at Dallas National, and um, they brought in two guys, two Dallas National Ryanians, Corey Gladstone, really good teachers. Um, so they are picking up where I slacked off for the membership there. Okay. Um, and and then the stuff with Drina is um, we did a lot of FaceTime stuff over the last couple of months with me traveling a bunch and her traveling to events. So it's been good to get some face-to-face stuff. Um, tomorrow we're doing some uh, some putting stuff. We brought in another putting instructor, a uh, good friend of mine that is going to help us out. Um, so uh, it's been good. Um, I moved. I'm reorganizing a house. There's just a lot of stuff going on. But I actually probably have more time now than I did when I was just teaching full time because, you know, I'm not here for weeks at a time. So, you know, I'm working for, I think, I think I was gone 29 straight days before the playoffs. I went home to see my family for a couple of days in Philadelphia and then had the playoff run. And then the last two weeks, besides the Ryder Cup practice, I've had like nine days to get my house ready and that's pretty much all I've been doing and uh, just getting all the knick-knacky stuff that you need to do to get that done so um, and then teaching uh, Adrena in there a little bit um, so yeah balance I'm not a good at balance person uh, so I just kind of do try to do what Bryson does and I've always done it my whole life is just put my head down and do the next thing that's right in front of me and hopefully I keep moving in the right direction and hopefully nothing too important uh, goes out of sight, out of mind, right? I mean, hopefully nothing slips through the cracks, right? Correct. And there's definitely been some incidences where that has happened. Um, you know, those, but that's okay. 
Yeah. Well, don't worry about it. My, my wife always gives me grief for, for not paying, like, an energy bill or all that stuff's boring. You know, who wants – I don't want to deal with invoices. I want to write golf stories. I want to I want to do other things. Right. Be on the golf course. Come on. Right. Right. Oh, that's a good reminder. Thank you. I do need to write up an invoice. Thank you. Well, yep. you know, I'm glad I can help out. Glad I can help out. Yep. Um, Appreciate it. You mentioned you mentioned the e or not the Eagles. You mentioned Philadelphia uh, being from there. Yep. So are you? How are your Eagles going to do this year? Coming off of that tough finish to last season, man. Uh, undefeated season, obviously. Won the first game <laughs> handily. We have the best quarterback in the league. Uh, great offensive line. Good defense. Great wide receiver sets. Good running back. So yeah, we're going to go undefeated. Win the Super Bowl. Why? Any other? dumb questions you'd like to ask <laughs> you know you know as much about these guys as like uh, as bryson's routines around the greens and and uh in practice yeah i'm a big still philadelphia sports fans and, and i like i get mad at my family when they question me they're like well you live in dallas are you gonna become a cowboys fan i go i was born and raised to hate the cowboys you expect <laughs> me to just because i live there to then not have those same feelings towards the Cowboys. So, yeah. It's great. I love the rivalry. I love being the odd man out. So every every Cowboys-Eagles game, uh, I would wear my jersey to work the Saturday before because I would go to the one that was here. I'd stay at home and watch it. <laughs> so I am a very proud Eagles fan man. living in the state of Texas. In the state, in Big D. Um, yep. Well, it's funny. You mentioned that crazy stretch, 29 days straight going into the playoffs. There was just a lot of, uh, of balance and stuff. Before everything got going for you working with Bryson, like, I'm curious the, the origination of that. Like, where were you when Bryson, or excuse me, when Tim Tucker quit? Because uh, that would have been the week in Detroit, right? So then where would you have been and how long after um, did, he, did uh, you get a call from, from Bryson? I was in Dallas. The LPGA event was here. So I was at uh, Old American for most of the week. And I got a text message Thursday morning. Something about, did you hear the news? And I was like, no idea what you're talking about. And then I got a phone call in the afternoon on Thursday. Um, so that's what I had heard and um, there was obviously that's a, a tough moment um, yeah I have a ton of respect for Tim I like he's great he helped train me but part of the story that a lot of people don't know is that um, I was intended to be the replacement uh, for Tim starting back I think it was almost a year ago maybe it was 10 months ago we uh, hmm. the, the subject was approached and then I had done some training sessions with Tim, and I went out to some events, and I spent a bunch of time with him. And whenever I was at events with Chris and Bryson, I would always walk the course with Tim Monday mornings. I always thought that was really interesting. Um, so I kind of, like, backdoored into this job in a way of, like, I just really liked what Tim did and how he did it. And I thought it was really cool, and I'm like, I could, like, potentially see myself doing this for somebody and then Bryson asked me if I wanted to caddy for him as a test run um, in what is going to be upcoming the Australian Open or Australian Masters I'm not sure what it's called anymore um, yeah and that was back in February he asked me that and I said yeah that's great and then 
when we plan on going and spending some time with Tim because Tim had planned on retiring either at the end of the season or the end of next season. So, it, you know, the, the whole thing happened faster than we thought it was going to happen, but um, it wasn't something that we weren't prepared for. Um, as people notice with Bryson is that his preparation is what leads to his success. So, um, you know, just knowing that Tim was going to retire from caddying within, you know, a two-year window um, is when that whole thing started. And, like, him and I have had a great friendship, and that's how it all came about. Uh, you know, I think um, more of the fact that, like, I'm a teacher – I worked under Chris. I kind of have, like, I can look at, not look at, like, help him with golf swing stuff, per se, but, like, I can make soft suggestions that I've heard him and Chris work on. Yeah. And, and like, and then there were some, like, good short games games and stuff and, like, just kind of, like, getting his practice to be a little bit more, not regimented, but, like, adding some stuff in there that maybe he didn't know that he needed in there. Um, so... I think that helps, but that's not the reason why, or main reason why I got the job. I thought, it, you know, because I'm his friend, um, we've had a great relationship. Like we have a blast when we're out there. Uh, obviously, there's some intense and hard moments, but you know, I look at like the Sunday at BMW, and you know, it sucks we lost, and I hate yeah. it. But for 24 holes, it was awesome. And we had like such a great time, um, just being out. No, that is that is really cool to be able to, to spend that kind of time um, and, and to play at such a high level. As you mentioned, those 24 holes on Sunday was just next level from both players, you know, one after the other, um, getting into that playoff and all. So I'm, I'm trying to think just – we'll go wrap up here in just a couple minutes, but I'm trying to think that um, – you had mentioned transitioning and learning from Tim Tucker, and I'm just thinking, like, with all the math that he has to be prepared for even before Bryson gets there, you know, learning the greens, learning all the numbers that Bryson wants, how hard is – or how, how has that transition been, like, for you becoming kind of a numbers guy for, for Bryson? Uh, I mean, that's something that I've, like – I'm a pretty analytical individual already. So okay. once I learned that stuff, uh, like the specifications of it, it's been easy. Uh, it's been <laughs> easy. It's been um, it's been doable. It's probably like an easier way to put it. Um, so that wasn't as hard as it would be if somebody who didn't didn't have a, a baseline or understanding or wasn't an analytical mind like that to where they could have issues with that kind of stuff. But I, I don't. And being analytical and analyzing a situation and breaking it down to the to the tiniest degree for Bryson and for myself is this is how I play golf that that is like a huge comfort level and then it's like okay well I know that this number you know I have to hit 173 yard shot at this trajectory to get the ball to be next to the hole so I try to get my players to be more like that and always have try to get them to be more exacting and precise now the stuff that him and tim figured out 
top notch, like unbelievable. So that's a lot of the the really cool stuff. Like Bryson's always willing to try new things to get better and be great. Um, Tim was like that. I'm like that. Chris is like that. So everybody around them is just, we're always just trying to get better and be better. So, you know, there's some stuff that I do different than Tim that is unique to me just as an individual with my personality and there's stuff that I do better and there's stuff that I do worse. You know, it's Tim's Tim is and was a great caddy. So filling his shoes was something that I knew I could never do in a way that I mean, I was walking where he would be walking, but I'm not Tim Tucker and I'm not going to be able to replace him like that. For sure. He's like, one of my favorite people on the planet. He's awesome, and, like, he just loved talking to that guy. But I wasn't going to go about my business the same way that he did. So I just, you know, I took all of his information that he was would give me and all the information that Bryson would relay to me, and I mashed it up into this nice cookie. I put it in the oven and out popped me. And I, <laughs> I, 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 I like, I am caddying the way that, I think that I should caddy the best for Bryson. Um, so, you know, it's been it's been great so far. We've had um, almost really good success. We've had we've been successful in a lot of spots. We've figured out some stuff that has been tough in years past. Um, and with Bryson, it's the, the I would say the only difficulty is kind of the moving target that he is constantly getting faster. So throughout the week, his his numbers of how far he hits a seven iron could change. So just depending on how he how he feels physically. So that's the hardest part for us is is figuring out which day he's hitting the ball longer, figuring out which day he's hitting the ball shorter. How is his adrenaline level? Just like every caddy has to deal with. Yeah. Um, I'm just dealing with it at a higher speed with less loft, so the variability of it becomes greater. Um, you know, when spin rates change by 500 RPMs, that might affect a normal player, normal speeds, by 7 or 10 yards or 8 yards. That could affect us by 16 or 15 yards. So Man. that's just where we have some stuff where, like, our windows of our misses long and short are bigger because of that kind of stuff. But, um, you know, we just got to figure out how to do it. And, and to me, it's like I don't have enough reps under it to – sit there and make some of those calls where like he says I want this number and I'm thinking okay that's going to be a 7 iron he goes you think you're good full 8 iron and I go then we just talk back through it again he's like yeah I like full 8 iron I'm like okay great and then he hits the 8 iron to a foot and I'm like yeah I had you 15 yards short with that 8 iron he's like really why I'm like because that's what our numbers say it should be he's like yeah he's like sometimes I just I just need to hit the longer club or shorter club and I'm like yeah I know, and it's awesome. <laughs> so I wouldn't trade him. For, I wouldn't trade him or and what he's doing for anybody in the world. Like we talk about it when we're out there playing golf. Like we're 20, 30, 40 yards in front of everybody else, and I'm like, man, you play golf and you make it so much easier. So I appreciate you for doing that for me because you make my job really easy. We just got to get good wedge numbers, and we just some of the pairing stuff that we did at the Ryder or the yeah the Ryder Cup practice. I'm like, man, you can pair well with anybody. He goes, why is that? I go, because you make this golf course so short. And, like, you put people into positions where Scotty hit a – Scotty, we played a practice round, an alternate shot in the fifth hole, and Scotty hit a, a gap wedge or a sand wedge into a par five. 
Oh my god. So it's like, yeah, it's <laughs> like, oh, okay, because he can take a line that's 50 or 60 yards right of where everybody else can take the line, and we were, Colin was the other person in the group, and he had hit three wood in, and it's like, oh, cool, this is uh, a lot easier and like Scotty's like, man, I like playing where your drives go. I'm like, yeah, this is this is where golf's really really easy from all the way up here. It's like you're playing. He's like, it, it, essentially, he's playing a tee box up from everybody, or two, and it's um, it's it's a huge advantage. That is next level. Well, well, you did mention when you get to a shot, like you talk about, hey, I think it's it, it's the seven, and he says, well, I'm feeling it the eight right now. Are, are there that process as you guys get to the ball? Like, walk us through that just for a minute. Like, what what kinds of numbers do you have to give Bryson? What does he want to hear? What do you want to give him? Um, how in depth do we go? Uh, we're all yardage to the flag, elevation, and then some other stuff, and then we boil it down to a, a number to the yard. So we're not on fives or zeros. It's like we're going to try to hit this one seventy one, and we expect it to roll out. XYZ. Um, so I'm writing down. Like I, I mean, could I do it in my head? Maybe, but I just write it down as we walk through it step by step, and you know, just be able to look back at it and go back through it again if we have questions about the club. And uh, that's about it. I don't. Um, I defer to him when when we're off. Obviously, he's the player. He's got to pull the trigger on the shot. He feels comfortable with the shot. He's going to be the one that has to execute it. But I will, which is which is a part that I really liked because it, I feel like when I'm caddying, I'm giving a five-hour playing lesson because I love talking through <laughs> golf shots, and that's and that's what I, we do for you know hopefully 59 shots or 60 shots around. Um. So with that in mind, of just like we're going to talk through golf shots, if I sat there and said, you know, we can't come up. You know, we got to be cautious a five-yard short because of water in the false front. With a lot of players, I would not say that to them because then it's like, well, why would you bring the water up in my mind? Or why would you bring up that bunker in my mind? Where with him, he's like, he wants every bit of information that he can get, and then he'll will analyze it, and then he will get down to a number. Um, so it's very exacting and very much – it's very cool. It's, it's great. And then – it makes it to where at the end of the round, after the round, I can go to ShotLink and look at all of our numbers that we got, and then I can track, you know, whatever I want to track through ShotLink and uh, be able to check and edit anything that we need. That Sunday round at BMW or the Friday round at BMW, like, those rounds were no different than the Thursday round or the Saturday round from how we look at shots. Like, the playoffs, no different than how we look at shots. Um it was just, it was the same thing. And that's one of the reasons why he is so great because I don't know if there's no nerves, but he calms his nerves through getting that precise and trying to be that exacting, just like a lot of high level thinkers do. It's like the deeper you can get into something and the more precise you can get to it, the less time you have to let all this other bad shit come into your mind. Sorry if I can't curse. Like you can't let all this other bad stuff come into your brain. And so we leave no room for that. We just we just fill it up with information, good information, and then that gets down to this fine point and this number. Um, it's like I, I describe it in my mind as like a filter where, uh, you know, if you're, you're putting a filter into a water bottle, you take all the ingredients that you want, you throw them in the top there, and then they come out 
and then your water bottle is filled with whatever protein your pre-workout stuff you need. In my mind, that's like that's just how I always is. It's just it's just what it looks like to me. Um, so we just come to where it's like we are both very confident in the choices that are made before he takes every swing. And not that I agree with all the choices either, right? Like, there's times where he's going to overrule me or I'm going to make a suggestion to overrule him. And I was surprised from the beginning how much input I was actually able to have and give. Hmm. Um, the, the Open Championship was, you know, was our first event and a place where historically he hadn't played very well. Um, so when we're talking through things and, like, I'm like, well, this is what our yardage chart says that this club should fly from this line. We're going to get to this and this and this, and you want to hit this, and I think we should hit this. And he would, you know, there were times where he'd overrule me and times where he would go with me, and the shot would result in the shot. And I'm like, wow, this is like, and I said that to him too after the first couple of days. I'm like, I really appreciate that you take the information that I'm giving you and it's not just disregard it. And I know at the end of the day, like, it has to be, your shot that you're going to hit and you have to be 100% committed to it but it's just really cool and I didn't realize how much influence that I could have to help you get better because I mean I look at it like again top five player in the world plays golf great plays golf in a very unique manner who am I to step in and, and sit there and say like no I think we should hit this shot or I think we should hit this flight or we should hit this club or we should land it here and ultra-receptive to everything. Um, and, like, I've been wrong. And he's like, well, that wasn't the right choice. Now we know that for next time. So it's like, okay, cool. So um, he's been very comforting, too, as a player, that when I mess something up, because I told him from day one, like, I'm not a perfect human being. I'm going to mess things up, especially when we're moving at the speeds that you move. It's going to take me some time to adjust. And he's like, don't ever apologize for that ever again. Because <laughs> you're never going to sit here. You're never going to sit here and intentionally give me a bad number or intentionally do something wrong. He's like, I might get mad at you and I might get on you about it for a moment. But like, he's like, at the end of the day, he's like, I know you're trying your hardest. And I'm like, that's so great to hear and so comforting to hear. So, um, yeah. So that's that's a lot of the situation. And, and like now I'm really excited to go into the Ryder Cup where it is head-to-head type stuff. And it's like, this is probably a place where we might deviate off of what our game plan is because it's not a stroke play event. It's like we might try to hit driver down into a tight area so we can have 70 yards into a green where somebody's going to have 180 yards in. <laughs> Unbelievable. So there's just like, yeah, I mean, there's just like, there's cool opportunities to do stuff like that. And like, it's such a mind game. And like, I love the mind game aspect of, of the Ryder Cup and I know the Europeans historically have been a lot better at it than we are as Americans but I feel like I'm going to help the team to be in a little bit of that spot so that's what I'm going to like the mind game stuff is, is where I'm going to try to help my guy the best that I can for sure so. I'll, I'll let you get going on this one uh, Ryder Cup what's your favorite memory growing up watching that which, which one really stands out the most wow oh man I mean, 99 Ryder Cup, ugliest shirts I've ever seen in Ryder Cup history. <laughs> one of the greatest putts ever. Um, yeah. Uh, I have, like, a Medina memory, but I don't want to relive that because, you know, 10 and 6, and we end up losing. Um, 
that was, uh, yeah, I, I mean, 99 Ryder Cup. Just remember watching it and, like, just unbelievable. So uh, it's very cool. And it's started to set in because I haven't had to work for 29, 28 days in a row to the point of, like, next week is the Ryder Cup. Like, this is uh, this is historical. And <laughs> it's really cool. And I am really looking forward to it. And, like, I had a little bit of these feelings pre-Olympics mm. um, because I know how small that like the, you know we're talking we talked about how like the Ryder Cup window is is tiny but you have Ryder Cup or President's Cup every year so I'm you know fairly confident that we're going to be on another team event but now we're talking four-year gaps and we only take four players now that that Olympic window is really tiny um so that was like a, that was a really big bummer I know he was bummed and that was uh yeah that that stunk but it is what it is so you know the Ryder Cup now is is awesome and I've been talking about it for for weeks <laughs> going back and then when Scotty got picked Scheffler um his caddy's been awesome uh Scotty McGinnis and he lives in Dallas and I saw that he got picked, and I called him, and I go, I think you, me, and Scott are three of the happiest people about this Ryder Cup coming up. I go, everybody else in the Dallas area, for the most part, has been on a Ryder Cup team. Um, and then we did some practice round stuff, and he looks at me, he goes, isn't it interesting that a third of the team is Dallas national members? I'm like, yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. It's uh, it's really interesting. So, um, or, uh, yeah, quarter of the team, three of the players. Um so yeah, it's just it's just really neat. Like I I am pumped for the experience and uh, ready to go do it for our country. For sure, yeah. You mentioned Scotty McGinnis, and there's so many veterans uh, that are going to be out there, and first timers too. Other in in addition to you, Matt Minister is a veteran caddy. He's going to get his first shot. Uh, Austin Kaiser, as you know, is Andrew Shoffley's caddy. So this is really going to be, as you said, history. It's going to be such a big moment for everybody, and very happy for you, Brian, uh, to get this chance at this Ryder Cup. And remember, follow Brian on Instagram, at BZGolf. Brian, great to catch up, buddy. Thanks. Appreciate it. Thanks for reaching out. All right, big thanks to Brian Ziegler. Can't thank him enough for coming on. That was a lot of fun. I thought he opened up. I love his his stories about the Eagles and how much passion he has for uh, the Eagles. But also, being from Philadelphia, some ties there, he has so much anticipation for the Ryder Cup. You can tell just listening to the stories and understandings, literally walking into history, how much this means for him to be able to caddy in his first Ryder Cup, to be a part of the team events, the team room atmosphere for the Americans with a pretty good horse, a, a big thoroughbred he'll be uh, caddying for in Bryson. So it should be fun. Hope you guys enjoy it, and we'll catch up soon here on Beyond the Clubhouse.